You are listening to the City on a Hill Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church and to support this ministry, visit cityonahilldfw.com. Thank you. Amen, church. Well, hey, good morning. I want to uh, just say to you before we begin the rest of this morning, uh, A, it's good to be back, uh, and B, uh, along the way home, uh, someone followed me all the way back to Fort Worth, Texas, and he's going to preach this morning. Um, You know, we say a lot around here that the vision of this church is that we're all about the help, hope, and healing of Jesus. That really is what unifies us. That's what, that's, that's, what directs everything that we do. It's, it's not about any one person. Uh, it's not about any one staff member or any one ministry. It's about the vision of the help, hope, and healing of Jesus. And um, one of the things that I personally feel very convicted by as, as your pastor is that you need to hear from more than just me. You need to hear this vision fleshed out from, from different people who God has, has uh called to ministry, who has, who has given that same vision, that same passion for reaching, hurting people, and you are going to get one this morning uh, from a different church, but a church that we certainly see as a, a sister church and uh, uh, just a wonderful group of people who really get it. And, and so I am so excited for you. I'm praying for you, not only that God would uh, speak very clearly through Taryn this morning, but that he would also filter Taryn a little bit as well. Um, <laughs> So give a big, warm, City on a Hill welcome to Pastor Taryn Phillips. like a younger version of me right there, man. I don't know. Well, listen, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm so excited to share with you. I can't share anything that I, I'm not going through or that I'm not wrestling I'm older and probably a little bit more emotional than I have been in the past. So this morning, I hope you'll bear with me. Over the last couple of years, I've wrestled with a couple of things. One is fear. Now, most of my life, I've not been afraid of anything. Um, I've jumped out of planes. I've done some crazy stuff. I've killed hogs with my hands. And we've done some some crazy stuff, especially with James Fleming. If y'all know him, you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) But I'm just going to tell you something, I, I, you know, in the last couple of years as I've gotten older, God has had to show me that I'm not invincible. As a young kid, I went through a lot of trauma and all kinds of stuff. I came here to City on the Hill and I've dealt with a lot of mess in my life. I've overcome a lot of pain. I've faced a lot of hurt and pain. But what I can tell you is fear has gripped me most of my life and I didn't really identify it as that. As an athlete, I learned how to run the play and face my enemy on the other side of the field. Or if it was running a track meet, just to take off running and do the best you can and, and motivate yourself to finish the race, right? But what I've learned about fear is fear is like a game. It's like playing a game. How many of you fear something in your life right now? Let me see your hands. Thank you for being honest. I've acted most of my life like I've been invincible, but as I get older, though, things have begun to change. Several years ago, I was down at uh, the Monarch Ranch where James Fleming was was, um, ranch manager at, and we were doing a hunt down there, and James and I decided we were going to go out in the morning and hunt. We crossed the the Devil's River. We saw that the water level was coming up, but we didn't think nothing about it because we were focused on hunting, right? We get across and and James sticks me in a blind down in the very in the bottom, what we call the bottoms, and he went up to the top and, and started hunting. 
I'd sit there for about 30 minutes, and the next thing I know, um, floodwaters had, had engulfed my feet. I'm watching out of my eyes like a motion picture movie as massive trees were falling, and they were coming with a mudslide. And I used to be pretty quick. But in that situation, you know, you, you're, I'm just trying to process it and think about it, you know. And so I got over the top of the tree and, and had my, my bow and my backpack and my backpack flung open, arrows went everywhere. You know how that goes, right? When you're in a bad, and when you're in a pinch, everything goes wrong. And I had enough willpower to get to the side of the mountain. And I had to, I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, I am 250 pounds and I got to climb up the side of this thing. So I climbed up to the top, I get up top and now I'm, I'm ticked off at the Lord. See, I could have said something else this morning, but I'm older, so I don't want to say that, okay? A little maturity, right? A little mature. So I was irritated at the guy, but I told him. I, mean, I ain't, I ain't going to lie to you and tell you I didn't cuss him out while I was up on the top of that mountain because I sure enough did. But see, I believe God understands my heart. He knows when I'm frustrated. See, he's like a good father. I didn't have a good father growing up. My stepdad beat the living heck out of me growing up. I tried to murder him when I was a junior in high school. So I had these, this image of a father figure who just, man, was not supportive. But through coming to City on the Hill and going through many different things and accountability, God began to teach me about being a better father. What I realized through that whole process is God is not like somebody that wants to abuse me. He wants to help me walk through my hurts and pains. He wants to help me fight through my fear. I have a son and a daughter. And I've watched them through athletics through life, go through circumstances that cause them fear. How do you, you got to talk to people and help them walk through it. It's difficult, isn't it? Some people are just difficult. How many of y'all are just difficult people in here? Let me see your hand. Good God Almighty, the whole church is full of them, man. Well, you're at a good place, all right, because the whole staff is jacked up probably more than you, so you fit right in, all right? Yeah. (laughs) Ah, Lord, I'm going to have to leave right after service after that one, man. (laughs) <laughs> but I, we, we, we got in this, this situation at the, at the ranch in this flood, and I, I began to, to process up on top of the mountain. And I remember the Lord telling me something. He said, Taryn, stay the right track. I'm up there. I'm having this out with him. And he said, stay on the right track. I looked down, and I see this road. And I knew how to get to the, a cabin at the airport, which is about 20 miles away. And I'm thinking, I don't like to walk nowhere. Okay, I did a lot of enough running, playing football, and so I don't like to walk anywhere. I just want to sit in a blind, right? So now I got to walk like 20 miles. So I get down the side of the mountain. I've got cuts on me from all the, the thorns and everything. We're walking up the side of the, the, the mountain. We finally get up there, and here comes Fleming, just whistling Dixie, driving the four-wheeler, and I about drowned, right? He, he stops. He thought I was an illegal because I had a, a, a parka thing on. I'm limping like this. He's got his gun drawn on me. I'm like, come on, man. So we get in the, the thing and um, Fleming turns to me. He says, what's going on? I said, man, you have no idea. Tears coming down my face. I said, man, I, I tried to run. I, I couldn't outrun it. It was catching me. Scared the devil out of me. We, we cried there for a little bit, and he, he finally figured out what was going on because he didn't know. We drove down. We saw how much the flood was and all this stuff, and I think I thought to myself, that whole experience, I, I, was, I was so fearful, but I had, I had to get up and do something. If I would have stayed behind the tree, it would have killed me. When fear takes you over, you have to do something, don't you? Now, you can choose to sit on your behind or you can choose to get up and fight it. It is a choice. Fear is a choice. I'm going to say that probably 20 times this morning if I say it once. In the recent months, I've had problems with my kidneys. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm 53 years old. I'm young, man. Come on. I can't be having these problems, right? Go to the kidney doctor. They tell me I got problems with both sides. I'm like, good grief. Let's just replace them. All right. I mean, just put some new ones in there, man. Let's go. Something, I got fear about that. You know, I got my family practice doctor telling me one thing. I got my kidney doctor telling me another. I'm like, y'all need to get on the same dang page here, man. Freaking me out. So your fear comes with things like that when you hear news from people. I go on a trip again with James Fleming. There's a common denominator here. Okay. <laughs> and I'm glutton for punishment because I'm going on another one with him next week. So if I don't come back alive, you know there's something going on. Okay. But I went on this trip to Colorado about a year ago, and I got altitude sickness so bad that I, I, it, I, man, I couldn't hardly breathe. You talk about fear and anxiety, 
I'm up on the top of this mountain. I'm wide awake, sitting on the couch, can't breathe. Brian Duncan is laying on the couch, not even paying attention to anything. He's dead dog asleep. I'm over there barely breathing, making all kinds of noises, and they're just snoring. I finally woke him up after about an hour, and I said, man, I can't, I, I can't breathe. I, I got to get down off this mountain. So Brian drove me down, get down to about 8,000 feet. I could finally breathe, got some oxygen, went back that day, and I felt like it felt fine. So we started fishing. We started doing our thing. Went to bed about 10 o'clock that night, woke up at midnight, and the same thing happened again. This time, Fleming got up. See, I was messing with his sleep. That's what it was, right? So he gets up, and, and they pack my bags. I said, man, I can't stay here. I, I, I can't stay up on this mountain because I'm going to run everybody's trip, and, I, and it's going to happen to me every night. So they took me down. I stayed in a hotel for the next three days while they finished. While I was sitting in that hotel, I did a lot of thinking. Now, to you, that experience may not mean anything, but to me, somebody who has felt invincible most of my life and love hunting and fishing, it messed me up. It mentally messed me up because I sit in this hotel room and I sulked for a little bit because I was irritated at God because I couldn't fish with my friends. I couldn't do what I wanted to with my friends and I was letting this fear encase me. I mold and just sit around it. Any of y'all ever done that? No, not none of y'all. No, come on. And what I realized was that what I was doing was I was practicing something that I said that other people shouldn't do so many times. None of y'all have ever done that either, have you? And so I, I'm wrestling with this. Four years ago, we did a men's crusade with you guys, with our, our refuge church and you guys, and we did it at Riverbend Retreat Center. I, we go down to Riverbend, had a great time, but they got this zip line down there. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? Now, the zip line today is different than it was then. Then you sit on the edge, okay? Now, I went with one of our elders who was about 250 pounds as well. And you walk up and there's a sign that says, limit 250 pounds. There's both of us are 250. Now, I may be not the short, sharpest crayon in the box, if that's the way you want to put it. But I walk and I see this sign and I'm thinking, this ain't good. The whole thing is rocking back and forth. So we get up there, we sit on the edge and Kenton, my, my uh, elder at our church, he's, he's just smiling. And I'm, I'm over there sweating. Because all I could think of was, man, that is, this is close to the ground, man. And I, 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 and I don't want to sit. If I could have stood up, it would have been fine. But no, they want you to sit down. He drops off. I don't see him for two seconds. He's like, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I sit there for 20 minutes. The dude behind me says, hey, man, you got to go. I said, you better shut your pie hole, dude. I I'll go when I want to go, and you ain't going to touch me. You touch me, I'm going to throw you off of here. I got up. I walked down. All my guys in my church, they were razzing me and everything. I said, man, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. I just walked right on by. Now, at the same time, it kind of hurt my pride a little bit, okay? But watch what happened. I come back the next year. I tried it again. Same thing. Sitting on the edge of that. I mean, I, I don't know that my butt cheek could have held on any tighter on that thing. I mean, I'm just hanging on the edge, man. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And so what has happened is it is, that's been one regret in my life. It's not a big deal, is it? For some of you, you go, well, Terrence, it's just a zip line. Yeah, but see, isn't it, isn't it amazing how the enemy wants to use some of the smallest things against us? I work with so many people that are hurting and just like you guys, Refuge Church is a mirror image of you guys. I don't know how to do ministry besides what I learned here. And I love it. And so because of that kind of ministry, we work with people that wrestle with fear all the time. Because when you're in recovery, like most of us in this room probably are, we, the fear, the enemy wants to use fear. It's his biggest tool, is it not? If he can get you fearful of dealing with hurts and pains in your life, then guess what? He wins. Those of you who have fought and you've wrestled and you've faced your fear and gone and dealt with people or you've had to, had to let go of things, you know it's a scary thing and it is real. It is real. The choice is about reacting to it or responding to it. Now, none of y'all have ever heard that before around here, have you? I love the life change process. I do. I, I, I preach it. I live it. I breathe it. Uh, we are working with a group of pastors in San Antonio right now, about 70 of them, and we are, have the opportunity, this is an amazing thing, the opportunity in the next couple of months to start a life change class with 70 pastors. 
Uh, James can tell you and some of the other guys on staff, we, we've spent years trying to talk to pastors about getting pastors to do this, and, and they, they, they won't. Why? Because they're scared to death. This kind of ministry scares them. Why? Because they ain't got freedom like we got. I don't give a rip about telling you anything this morning. I'll tell you everything about my life. Why? Because I don't want the enemy using it against me. If I get it out, then guess what? You say whatever you want to. I'm just going to smile at you. I may slap you, but I'm going to smile at you, okay? I might do that. <laughs> this morning, I want, to take, want us to take a look at what fear is. We've got to look at a couple of things, and then we're going to look at some Bible characters that overcame fear and had courage to walk through it. I, I, because to me, that's the, some of the greatest examples. Because all these Bible characters were losers. They were messed up people. You're going to know some of them. And you're going to go, oh, well, he, I don't think he was a loser. Every one of these people in Scripture were jacked up. You know that, right? So don't put them up on a pedestal. The only one you should be doing is Jesus. And Jesus told you that they were all jacked up. That's why he chose them. And that's good news. That's good news. So this morning, let's take a look here. What is fear? What is fear? There are two types of responses to fear that we'll talk about in a minute. But what is fear? Fear is a natural, powerful, primitive human emotion. It's just, it's real. It's going to happen. How we respond to it makes a difference. There is a biochemical response and an individual emotional response that goes hand in hand with fear. It, you do one or the other. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. Sometimes fear can be real and sometimes it can originate in our imagination. Some of y'all are great at blowing things out of dadgum proportion and getting scared over stupid stuff. Are you not? Now, guess what? Welcome to my world. I do the same thing. I'm talking to myself. But it's amazing how we, you know, you can work with people. You can be a pastor and work with people, and you can always identify all their struggles, right? But when it's you, sometimes it's much harder to do it when it's personal. And what I've learned over time is that I usually either react or respond to something most of the time. And, and because of my past, my hurts and pains, many years ago, I would react to almost everything. Somebody ticked me off. What am I doing? I'm reacting. I'm not responding by thinking and processing through. In the life change, we talk about what drives your train. What drives your train? Well, some of us, man, emotion is the first thing that comes up, is it not? Why is that? Because we haven't dealt with some of those emotions, so it's the first thing that rises up. With fear, guess what? If you haven't dealt with some of your stuff in your life, what's the first thing that's going to come up? It's going to be your emotions. It's not the truth. The truth is that, that what helps you respond is that you remember that you are a child of God, number one. And number two, is this fear really real? Am I blowing it out of proportion in my mind? How many of you have ever blown something out of proportion in your mind and it got you scared? Anybody? Golly, I'm glad I got a bunch of freaky people and losers up in here today. This is great, man. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we, we got the same issues. That's great. That's great. So to better understand fear, let's look at the two different types of reactions, the biochemical reaction, and that's the key here. Fear is an emo a natural, emotional, and survival mechanism, is it not? It's a protection mode inside of us that says, wait, there's some danger here around the corner. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes it's real, sometimes it's not. We perceive these threats to our bodies or whatever, and we go, okay, wait a minute. Our minds start rolling. Our minds start rolling. A physical reaction to fear includes sweating. How many of y'all sweat when you get scared? Okay. Increased heart rate, high adrenaline that makes us extremely alert. I love adrenaline. You know why I'm a good addict? I'll tell you why I'm a good addict. Whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, I'll tell you why. Because I love the freaking adrenaline. I will find a way to get the adrenaline. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you struggle with anything in your life, I, I know people that struggle with depression that get high off of depression. Now, why is that? Because the enemy knows your weakness. The Bible tells us that he shoots his fiery darts at us. But watch this. Let me give you a little clue here about Satan. Satan is not God. He is not, he is not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. He can't read your freaking mind. So quit thinking that. I hear people all the time, well, Satan's just in my head. No, you are Satan. You're in your head. Okay? He, listen, if you've got Christ inside of you, he can't come in the house. He can't come in the house. So for those of you who are struggling with addictions, you've got to understand the principle here that if God and Christ is in you, he can't get in. What happens is you let him get in your brain. 
you'd open the door and you let him just stick his little finger in there and just do this in your head. Okay? And what happens is then we go, oh, oh, yeah. And we start thinking about it. We dwell on it. And then we either take the thought captive. I love 1 Corinthians. He says, look, you either take, take those thoughts captive. You either give them to the Lord or you do this. You just stick them in your head. You do one of two things. You take those arrows that the enemy throws at you with fear and depression, and you stick it in your head, or else you give it back to God. It is a process, though, to do that, isn't it? And it's a choice. And so this morning, as we, begin to, we continue to talk about this, I want you to remember that, that that biochemical reaction is something that it naturally ha- It's the fight or flight response. That's really what that is, is it not? And it's a protection thing. How many of you have ever run from a problem before? I mean, again, look who we got. We got all these people. Y'all runners, ain't you, man? How many of y'all are sprinters versus long-distance runners when there's an issue? Okay? That's a whole other sermon, right? Then we have this second response to fear, and, and that is the emotional response. And that emotional response is, is highly personal. It's a choice that you make depending. That, remember, that, that fear that, that comes, it's primal, it's natural, but then we have a choice through it. Those adrenaline seekers like myself, you know, in fearful situations, sometimes it can be negative and sometimes it can be positive. You say, well, what do you mean? It's like, you know, you, you go and you jump out of an airplane. I've done that many times. Had no problem with it. As I get older, I, I, there's no way. I don't know what changed. I don't have anything to do with jumping out of a plane. Okay. I don't even like flying anymore. It freaks me out. And you say, why? I, I don't know. I've wrestled with it. I've thought back through it. I don't know what it is. I used to not be claustrophobic. I don't want to be in confined spaces, all right? Isn't it amazing how you get older, things change about you? I used to think, oh, that's never going to happen to me. I'm invincible, you know? (laughs) These reactions that we go through, these addictions, these things that we do, that we wrestle with, adrenaline rush, sex, drugs, alcohol, lying, cheating, stealing, all these things come back to reaction versus responses. And so I know many of you here today, I know so many of you that are here, and I know that, man, some of you have worked through so much stuff, but you know what? If you're like me, I'm in the process till the day I die because I am so freaking screwed up. My mind is so filled with so much bull crap, it is not even funny. See, I already said crap once this morning, I'm in trouble. Golly. But my mind is filled with so much stuff. Why? Because of my past. And what does the enemy do? He shoots it across my brain. I have the choice. Do I grab it, put it in my head and think about it, or do I give it to the Lord? You know, I love that song a while ago. I can't even remember the name of it, but it's, you know, he's talking about I run to the Lord. I run to the Lord. I got to have the Lord that I run to, and I got to have people that I run to. I got to have people that I run to. So what are some of the symptoms of fear? Well, we all know these, chest pains. Chills, dry mouth, nausea, rapid heartbeat, shortness of breath, sweating, trembling, upset stomach. Some of y'all getting upset right now. It ain't even nothing to fear. Y'all just freaking out. (laughs) Some people have psychological experiences, do they not, when they fear? I did. I came back from that hunting trip or that fishing trip a year ago, and there have been probably six different instances that I have woken up in the middle of the night to where I feel the same, that I can't breathe. And I'm gasping for air. Tracy's over there going, I don't know what the heck's wrong with you, dude, because you can breathe. Shut up and go back to sleep, all right? That's what my wife says. She said, no, she didn't say that. She said, I'm going to get in trouble for saying it. But that's, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm feeling, I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm trying to focus on my breathing and she's trying to comfort me and there's nothing she can do. Why? Because I had psychologically let it psych me out. I've had to work through some of that stuff in my head. You said, what are you going to do this next week? Well, we've got a plan. I'm going up early with James and, and Mr. Rodney. We're going to go up to 10,000 feet. We're going to come back down. We're going to go back up. We're going to come back down. Try to get a little bit more acclimated. Hopefully that helps. And, you know, if I can overcome that, then I'm, I'm going to be walking around with Brian Duncan. And I told him, I said, now, here's the deal. I got a bear tag. And if, I, if a bear comes at us, all I got to do is outrun one dude. Okay. <laughs> Now, like I said, I used to be really fast. I can't move like that no more. But I swear to Ruby, I'll trip that little boy. And I, because when I get fearful, I mean, I, you know, you got to survive, right? It's about survival. I mean, somebody got to live to tell the story. 
It's the way I look at it, you know? But that brings me this morning to, to one thing, and that's there's three types of fear. There's three types of fear. And that's rational fear. Okay, what is rational? Rational fear occurs when there is a real imminent threat. It's rational, right? Someone breaks into your house. You get in a car wreck. You do something wrong, right? How about primal fear? Primal fear is, is defined as an innate fear that is programmed into our brain. It's just there. It's like when a bear comes after you, he's wanting to eat you. What do you do? Well, some of you say, run. My first initial thing is I'm going to go hit that thing. You know, I mean, I, I'm taking a big knife. And I told Brian, I said, listen, I'm either going to have to throw you in front of me. You know, get my knife out. And I'm waiting. I'm going to let him chew on you for a little bit. And then I, I, I'll get him. You know, I get him in your, let, let me get, you get in his mouth and then I, I just get him, you know. I mean, that's what friends are for. We're trying to help each other out to survive, you know. Yeah. Watch this. And then you have this irrational fear. Oh, man, this irrational fear. There are ones that make, don't make logical sense that we just kind of blow out of proportion with things, right? And they can vary from person to person and from time to time. This is when you think somebody's always watching you. The government's coming to get you. Some of y'all are like, well, that's real. <laughs> that, that's more rational fear, okay? That's what that is right there. That aliens are going to come suck you up out of your bed and take you off. That's, that's kind of irrational fear. But all these types of fear, watch this, come with reaction versus response. You can choose to think about them. I mean, you can choose to think about aliens coming to get you all day long. Some of y'all be freaked out. You're like, I don't even know why I'm thinking that. I mean, I watched aliens last night, but it ain't real. Okay, and we can blow our minds out of proportion. I watched all the Friday the 13th movies when I was growing up. Some of y'all will remember Faces of Death. Y'all remember that? Faces of Death. I can't believe I watched that. And you know what is crazy? Because I took that mess in my mind. There have been things that I watch now that get me fearful because of those stupid things I watched back in the day. Any of y'all like that too? So watch it. That just goes to show you we got to be careful what we take into our heads. Because those things that we take in will program these messages that we begin to tell ourselves. The enemy wants to tell you that you're wrong, you can't do this, you can't do that. So what do we do? We do what I've struggled with over the last couple of years, and that is this. I tell myself I'm no good. I tell myself, no one cares about me. You can't do anything right. You're going to mess up every time. Don't even try. None of y'all struggle with that, do you? I think every human on the planet does to some extent. But then we come to the choice. We come to the choice. We got to make up our mind. Are we going to react to it? We're going to respond to it. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at, at four people in the Bible who overcome fear with courage. And now that you know what fear is and, and the three types of fear and all these things, now as we read these stories, hopefully you're going to be able to, to kind of connect those together so that maybe you make it personal so that today when you walk out of here and the enemy starts attacking you, you know how they responded so that you can respond the same way. Because they all did one thing. They all did one thing. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Let's take a look at first at Moses. Moses. Now this is an interesting character. You know, we read the story of the Exodus and all that kind of thing. It's a cool story. But you know, Moses was jacked up. He stuttered. He said, you know, he's feeling sorry for himself on Mount Sinai. You know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And for God's sakes, there's a burning bush in front of you talking to you. What are you, what are you doing there, man? And he's like, you know, God, I can't do this. Really? I mean, I, 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 I stuttered. And you, you want me to go talk to all these people? Now, what I find that that's interesting in this passage, as some of you might not know, is that God spoke to, uh, I think it was Aaron, in, in um, ex Exodus, in where the, um, uh, where am I thinking at, Derek? He's like, I don't know. I'm lost, man. I'm lost. See, when you get old, this is what happens, all right? Egypt. And so Aaron leaves there, and the Bible says that he went to the mountain of God with Moses. So while Moses is in the middle of his insecurity, here comes this other brother, God says, I want you to go. And they both went back. And then he begins to speak to these people. Do you think he believed that he could do it? I think he wrestled with it. You can't tell me he didn't have fear. 
We read that Moses, he did all these incredible things, but Moses faced his insecurities and fears by, by doing what? By responding to God's call. He, he didn't want to. We see that. But he responded to it, and he finally did it. He, he got the gumption to do it. He got some, some, some bravery here. He was motivated by God's vision to work through him to save his people. See, sometimes when you have fear, the consequences and the need outweigh what we really have going on in our heads. If somebody has in a car accident and you are afraid, I've seen amazing things happen when people run over, lift the car up or open the door or help somebody out when they physically weren't able or capable of doing that. It's amazing what our minds will do, is it not? I mean, we'll get fearful at the craziest things and then we, we pull stunts like that and you're like, what is the deal? Sometimes we allow our minds to get the best of us. Moses almost let that happen, but he faced his stuff. And it tells us in Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 and 12, I love this. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. You have brought the people out of of Egypt, and you shall serve God on this mountain. Listen, when God tells you something, you can count your money. He's going to be with you. But you know what we do? We do like the song said a while ago, I run from you, I run from you, and then I come back to you. I run to you. That's what all these people do. Do you not do that? I do. It's that circle in the Life Change book. I revolve in this circle. I can be in insanity, but I got to learn some, some things to help me get on the right track. I got to have people that help me get on the right track. And fear is one of those things that will isolate you. It will cause you to isolate. It will cause you to do what? Make a choice to isolate. Moses said, man, I got to have some courage here. I'm going to do what God said for me to do, and I'm going to trust that that he is doing everything behind the scenes that I can't see to help my fellow Jews. This passage ought to challenge you, and it ought to encourage you. Why? Because it inspired me many years ago. As I read this, I love the, the Exodus, man. I do. I study. I don't look like I study archaeology, but I love it. I've been to Israel twice. I've seen some of the most amazing, crazy things. And, and I, I studied the Exodus crossing and all that and studied about Moses. And what challenges me and encourages me through this passage is that, that God takes all these troubled relationships that Moses has and he begins to rebuild them slowly but surely, with a guy who didn't think he could do anything. Now, if that's the case, I look at my own life. I look at my relationship with my stepdad, who I tried to murder in high school, that he's put that relationship back. He's a great friend of mine today. I look at other relationships, and I think to myself, my goodness, only God could do that. There's nothing I can do to put any of that back. How many of you have experienced fear in going and making a relationship right? See, less hands go up there. You know why? Because fear. Because anyone wants to tell you that if you go back and you make it right with somebody, it ain't going to work out right. Here's what I've learned. It ain't about their response. It's about yours. There's been many times I went back and made things right with people, and the other person's response wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. But I left with peace. I left encouraged because I did the right thing. That's the biggest part of it. I can't, I can't manage what they do, but I can manage what I do. The second person I want us to look at is David. He had the courage to face these impossible situations. I mean, David, man, think about it. When he was a teenager, he was lions, tigers, and bears and such. I mean, he was fighting them and killing them all. It was crazy. Just, you know, taking care of the sheep. 1 Samuel tells us about this, this epic power struggle with the Philistines and his, the Israelites. And I had the privilege this last trip to go to the valley where this battle happened. It was amazing. And I actually went to the brook. There's only one brook to the side of this mountain. I walked down there and I, I, I took, I stole five smooth stones from the river. Now, I asked if I could. I was wondering if I was going to get put in jail on the way home. But nobody asked me about these rocks. So I said, all right, go ahead on. So I asked, I said, man, you can take these rocks. Why did I want those rocks? As a reminder of what I had seen. And a reminder of David, who was this shepherd boy who said, you know what? Everybody else is scared out here. I'll go do it. Now, you, you can't tell me that David wasn't scared. You can't tell me that. 
He knew who the Philistines were. He knew how mighty they were, these fighting men. And so what did David do? He said, man, hey, look, I'm willing to risk it all. I think that's amazing. And God used that. And so we hear in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32 and 33, and I'm going to read verse 37 as well. Listen to what it says. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of you. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. And Saul said to David, you're not capable of fighting against the Philistines. For you are just a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. And verse 37 says this. And David said, said, the Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. And Saul said to David, then go. May the Lord be with you. Saul didn't sound like he had very much confidence in him, did he? That would have probably made me fearful. I would have wanted the, the Israeli military behind me, but that's not what he got. And this guy had to go out and he had to have the courage to trust God. Now, why could he do that? Because he had seen God work in his life numerous times. Some of you in this room, I know, because I know City on the Hill, have seen God do amazing things time after time, and yet some of you continue to struggle with the same dadgum thing over and over and over again. And you go, Taryn, that's pretty insensitive. No, here's what I know. I've been in recovery almost all my life. You say, well, then you should understand. Yeah, but see, I don't struggle with the same thing all the time. I work to overcome this area of my life. What I don't do is say that I'm a recovering alcoholic, drug addict, or sex addict. Because all I'm doing is setting myself up to just keep being that. I get tired of AA groups and all these other groups. that Everybody says, well, hey, my name is Taryn Phillips, and I'm a recovering drug addict and sex addict. Well, I'm not in recovery over it. I've overcome it because of Jesus Christ. For God's sake, so quit telling yourself that, or you'll just stick and stay. It gives you an excuse to go, well, I, you know, here I am. What I know is i got to face my fear because my fear wants to keep me in that addiction. What God wants me to do is overcome it. You go, but Taryn, I don't know that that's real. Listen, I know relationships, even in this room, that some of you would say, I don't know that God can, can take care of it. God is big enough to take you down. He's big enough to turn you around, and he's big enough to set you on the right track. But you got to let him. Some of you are fighting God this morning. And I don't care who you are. I've said this to Derek. You, look, you've got to let stuff go. I don't care who you are, what position you have. You've got to trust people. You've got to pour it out and let people into your heart. You don't grow if you don't do that. And you know, isn't it amazing how everybody else can see around you whether you're growing or not? How many of you experienced that? Don't that frustrate the mess out of you? It does to me because, I, you know, I, I think I'm doing good and, and, and it's always Tracy. You know, it's always my wife, man. She, she has such a way with words, you know what I mean? And she will say something, and, and, and I go, golly, man, that just like stings, man. But it's true. I don't necessarily want to hear the truth. David went out and had courage. Countless times we see this, that God protected him from danger. He was steadfast with confidence because he knew that God would deliver him. I want that kind of steadfastness in my life. But it only comes because I see God continually doing stuff in my life, and I recognize that. David made a choice to have faith and go fight the Goliath, and he won. The third story is Esther. She took a risk. This is an amazing story that a lot of people skip over in Scripture. Esther was an incredible lady, incredible. And what she did by taking the risk, it, it could have killed her. But she was willing to step out and do it for her people. She risked her life to persuade her husband, King Artaxerxes, to, to mess up the plans of uh, um, Haman. I can't say his name right. These people were trying to kill all these people, annihilate the Jews. And she risked her life to say something when she wasn't really supposed to do that. She was motivated by her faith. That's what she was motivated by. Esther 4, chapter 16, or verse... Verse 16 says this, go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And, and I, my young women, will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. You see, she wanted to prepare her mind before she went. Some of us wrestle with fear and we sit in it. We sulk in it. We like it. 
Instead of getting ourselves up, fasting a little bit, maybe from the fear or from our emotions, doing the right thing and saying, man, I've got to get up today and I've got to face the world in front of me and I've got to look at what the truth is and not let my emotions drive my train today. That is a choice, is it not? Esther made the choice to have courage, to just get out there and do it. Her faithfulness paved the way for the Jews to have their own country and to stand up for themselves. It's amazing because when people have courage, it impacts other people around, right? And then the last guy I want us to look at is Daniel. Daniel had courage to not give in. Think about it, man. He was told, well, you cannot pray. You can't do this, do that. What did he do? He prayed three times a day. It's like he opened the window and said, okay, well, hey, I I hope y'all see me. Just look right here. You see what I'm doing? I'm praying. And guess what? It it, it made a huge difference. In Daniel chapter 6, a group of political motivated leaders didn't like Daniel, and they went to the king. They said, hey, man, let's make a rule that you can't pray. King's, you know, like, okay, whatever, man. So he made this rule. Daniel's like, you know what? I'm not going to abide by that rule. Now, listen, when it comes to government, If God tells you to do something and his word tells you to do it and the government tells you to shut up, you might want to speak out. I think we find ourselves in that position today. Yes, we're supposed to respect our local and elected officials, but when it comes to doing opposite of what scripture says, then guess what? Don't bow down. Daniel took a stand. We see this in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document or the law had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he had previously done. He had courage to do it because he knew it was going to cost him. He knew these men were out for him. Maybe some of you are in a position where you have fear to stand up against something or someone Remember, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. My wife tells me that all the time. I've had to mature and grow in that. Don't necessarily like that phrase, okay? But that's the truth of it. And so I see Daniel here, and he's, he's going, man, I'm, I'm nervous. I, I could lose my life, but I'm going to take a stand. We live in a culture today that you had better take a stand. The reason our country's in the shape it's in is because Christians just sit back on their hands and not said anything. Say something. It's amazing how when you f- have fear about saying something and you say it, it always is never as bad as you thought it was unless you screw it up. And we can do that, can't we? So Daniel, here he is, he's this guy and he's he's got this devotion to God. He's pouring out, he's praying three times a day and he overcomes this. He overcomes this fear because of his courage. How about you? I don't know if you're here this morning, you're facing fear, but listen, the only way to overcome it is to face it. And the only way to do that is to have Jesus in your life. I think about the days that I didn't have Christ in my life. And I think back to how I face fear. I just, I let it eat me up. And I was a teenager back in those days, but I do remember I had a lot to be fearful of. And it ate me alive. It debilitated my mind. I thought about it throughout the day. And fear can be debilitating. But watch this. It's also freeing when you experience facing it and dealing with it. Many of you in this room have been through all kinds of recovery groups. And what you know is courage in the face of fear is a choice. Because you can go to those classes and things come up inside of you and you know you need to deal with it. You then have a choice whether you're going to put it off or you're going to deal with it. You might be here this morning. Don't care if you've been a Christian for 20, 30 years, 50 years. Doesn't matter. The enemy wants to shut us down. The Bible tells us that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And sometimes what the enemy does is he doesn't come himself. What he does is he sends other lions to do it for you. Now, you know that lions, the male lion, does not do the killing. You know that, right? It's all the females that he's got. He just sends them out. And they attack. And then he just walks up and just starts eating and has, has a good time. That's what the enemy does. What he does is he acts like he's big. And he sends all his little demons out to shoot his arrows across your mind of your past and he blames you and he tells you you're no good, you cannot do this, you're a failure. Look at what you did last week, look at what you did last night. He keeps telling you that and again, one more time, we either take that thought captive and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I am bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, I need you to make it through my day. Or we put it in our head and we go, you know what, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Jesus is my Lord, but you're right. And we we begin to believe this lie and we begin to let it defeat us. 
I know good Christian men and women who think that they're doing really good stuff, and yet they are in bondage. Why are they in bondage? Because of this right here. They can't let people in their head to help them through it, and they can't let God. And here's the crazy part. Everybody else around them sees it. Sometimes everybody else around them tells them that, and they still can't let it go. And some of you might be those people. I've been. Like I said, I can't preach anything that I haven't been through. I'm a mess. My life is a mess. I'm so thankful that I have an incredible wife that works with me, gives me grace, gives me mercy. I definitely uh, do not deserve what God gave me. My wife has helped me. Especially this year, walk through this fear of sitting up on the edge of my bed, feeling like I can't breathe. Because seeing the secret in the quiet place when nobody else is around, that's usually when we struggle with things, is it not? And my wife has encouraged me. She's helped me to get my mind straight. So I thought, you know, I'm going to try something. I'm going to start walking. Plus, we got this hunt coming up, and Fleming was telling me I, I had to lose some weight. I said, look at you, you do too. <laughs> no. But I got out and we, I started walking and I, I found that it helps me. It's another tool in my tool bag. Just like the life change process, is a, is, it's a bunch of tools for me. And I hate to admit it, but good Lord, man, I need, I need some tools. You know, I got a whole tool, box, tool bag in my truck. I use about two or three of those tools to fix everything. You know what I'm saying? And that's really how the life change process has been for me. It has given me some tools to face my life struggles. I've been through the life change process probably 40-something times, whether leading it or going through it. You go, well, Terrence, you that jacked up? Pretty much. And I got to have it. Because, you see, I am so ignorant to the point to where I have to have these things rolling through my mind constantly. I have to be reminded. Because I, as I'm getting older, I forget that mess. My wife tells me stuff all the time, and I'm like, I don't remember you telling me that. She said, I did. Any of y'all ever have that same experience? Okay, well, I'm not alone then, see? Courage in the face of fear is a choice. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus, let me tell you something. You want to have courage? Oh, man. Accept him as your Savior. Trust him. He will give you strength to press on. Listen, we're all going to have fear, are we not? But again, it's how we respond to it. It's how we react to it. What, what Jesus has done to me is given me a person inside of me that communicates with me, and that's not freaky because it is real. He is real. He's omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He has conversations with me in my head. And you can go, well, that's crazy. And I have conversations with him. I cuss him out. He lets me know, don't ever do that again. Done that on that mountain. Stay on the right track. But I have this honest conversation with God. And sometimes people go, well, Taryn, are you afraid what other people? I don't give a rip what you hear when I'm talking to him. It's not about you. This is about my relationship with God. Some of you got to get a relationship that is important to you and not just a facade. You want Jesus to change your life. You get real with him and he will get real with you. Then you get some other people around you that want to go in the same direction as you. And I know that's what City on the Hill is all about because it was that for me. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior, watch this, man. And you have fear. It's a choice. You have this power source inside of you that will help you walk through your struggles. I don't care whether it's an addiction. I don't care whether it's a relationship. Some of you are nervous about making relationships right with family members and people. I get it. I've been there with several of them. But when you step in the right direction and you get things right, whether their response to you is what you want or not, you have freedom. They might not, but you do. And isn't that what it's about? And then you grow, and then you, they get to see you grow, and then maybe down the road they change, and they come back and make it right. I've seen that happen many times. God wants us to simply do what he tells us to do. He doesn't want us to have fear. He wants us to have courage to face life because he is inside of us. And so this morning, I encourage you and I challenge you, City on the Hill, to walk your lives not in fear, but in peace and trust him. And when things go south and fear starts coming your way, think about how you respond versus how you react to him. Let's pray. 
Lord, I come to you this morning, and I thank you so much for your power and your presence in, in my life, that you are real, that you are not fake. You're not just somebody that we have these conversations with doesn't mean anything. Lord, I, I pray for people here that are wrestling with fear. I, I know that there's been times that I have let that fear overcome me and not run to you. And, I, and you know we've talked. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But Lord, I, I do. I, I try to keep trusting you. And I pray that for those people here that are wrestling with whatever kind of fear it is, doesn't matter whether it's work, family, whatever, that you would motivate them, give them the gumption, the courage to face it. And that when they overcome that, they would see that you were in the middle of that and give you glory for it. And so, Lord, I just I pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Taryn. What a, what, a needed, what a needed discussion to have. Fear is, uh, wow, the, one of the most prevalent things that, that has led me personally to make some of the dumbest choices I've made in my life. And, and if not for the process, you heard him talk about that over and over again, the process, the tools that God has given us to work through that fear, I would be in a much different place uh, than I am right now. And so what I want to encourage you to do is as you leave here, we have been, I think, for the last two weeks, going on three, announcing this next semester of Freedom Groups. And, and fear, if you're being honest, has kept some of you from going into that process because you know that what you're going to face there is bigger than what you want to deal with. And what you need to understand is especially what Taryn just said, if you're a believer, you have a power source in you to, to push you through that, to sustain you through that in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. And I know that Taryn would, would echo this. Get your butt out there and sign up for a freedom group. It'll change your life. It will change your life if you will allow it to. But you got to do the work, and it's going to be scary, and it's going to be hard, but God is bigger. Amen? Amen. We're going to come back next week. We're going to talk about uh, Ephesians 5 and the roles of husband and wife. And if, I want to say to you, if you're not married, this message is absolutely as applicable for you as uh, those of you who are married. I'm real excited to be back with you to open God's Word. Give it up one more time for Taryn Phillips. All right. God bless you. We will see you next time. Tonight, 6 p.m. Correct. <laughs>